Oh, hey there. Come on in. We're just about to start. Welcome to My Wife the Dietitian, a fun weekly podcast about nutrition and healthy lifestyle. I'm Rob, and together with my wife, Sandra, we invite you to join us on this informative and entertaining journey through the complex world of healthy eating. Join us each week as we strive to help you with transforming your overall health and relationship with food through up-to-date, evidence-based nutrition information. On today's show, we take a question from a listener and discuss the difference between diverticulitis and diverticulosis, a chronic condition that affects a large portion of the population. I know what you're saying. Aren't those the same thing? I was just as confused as you are. But trust me, we will explain the difference between those, what it all means, and you will be an expert by the end of this episode. Stay with us. Welcome to My Wife the Dietitian. Hello, Sandra. Hello, Rob. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Good. Are we on episode 80 and we took a question from one of our listeners. We yeah. dove into the mailbag. We, we promised that we'd do that the other day and we forgot. So, uh, so here we are. And it's a pretty common question. Well, not necessarily a common question. It's an issue that I've dealt with in my career as a dietitian for 25 years with many clients, many, many, many clients, because it is a common issue for people. All right. So what's the difference between, well, actually, sorry, let's actually read the question from Brenda. Can I do it? Is Brenda from Pennsylvania? Hello, Brenda from Pennsylvania. (laughs) Thanks for your question. And she submitted it through mywifetherd at gmail.com. That's our email on the website. Yeah. And we encourage everyone to send your questions because we, uh, it just gives us stuff to talk about. And then we feel like we are addressing the things that you want to hear. Exactly. Exactly. So Brenda says, my husband had a flare up of diverticulitis. And what is the difference between diverticulosis and diverticulitis? And what should he eat or not eat? Uh, Brenda, I've always wondered the same thing. That's one of those words. It's like, what? Isn't it the same thing? What's the difference? So uh, yeah, great question. I'm glad you asked it. Yeah. It saves me from asking it. (laughs) So we're going to address her question and we're going to say what the stats are for diverticulosis, uh, what it is and what both of them are, like the diverticulosis and diverticulitis, the causes and risk factors for developing diverticulitis problem foods, uh, diagnosis, prevention, and five key takeaways for preventing diverticulitis. And we're also going to do a little rhyme uh, so that everyone can remember this. So I'll be, I'll be uh, thinking about that through the show and uh, we'll do the diverticulitis, diverticulosis rhyme. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, with diverticulosis, 50% of North Americans over 50 have diverticulosis. So say that again, How 50%? Yeah, one in two or 50%. Wow, really? Yeah, it's actually, the breakdown is about 30% of people age 50 to 59 years have diverticulosis and 70% of the people over 80 have diverticulosis. Wow. And over 80, most people have some diverticulosis. So it's quite common. <laughs> 
You know, I think we should probably just start with what it is, because I have no idea what you're talking about. And you keep <laughs> okay. saying you keep saying this word, and it sounds really serious. And I'm like, whoa, there's all these people that have this, but I don't really know what it is yet. Okay, it's okay. So in the colon, so the large intestine, there's outpouchings of little diverticula. So the little outpouchings are where it's a, there's a weak spot in the colon, and as people age, so age is the biggest risk factor. As people age, their colon gets a little bit um, less... Um, Rigid? Like it's kind of like um, it thins out and gets a bit saggy or something? Yeah, maybe? You know, think of an elastic and how yeah. you know over time it kind of... Loses its spring? Yeah, yeah. Same thing happens with the intestine. And it's kind of like if you blow up a balloon and there's like weak spots and then you get like little... Uh, Herniations. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's like a hernia, right? Yeah. And that's what a diverticula in the intestine is. And if you have those, and if it's been discovered on a colonoscopy that you have these little diverticula, you have diverticulosis. So the condition of the intestine with the diverticula. And it doesn't mean that you have inflammation or that you have diverticulitis you have the condition of diverticulosis, which many people live with. Okay. I, I'll, I'm sort of getting it. So you can have diverticulosis without having the little outpouches? No. You have diverticulosis if you have the little outpouches, the little uh, bulges in the wall of the colon. Okay. And they can be the size of a pea, or you can have many of them, and they can be bigger than the size of a pea. Okay. So diverticulosis is very common and usually there's no symptoms and there's no treatment needed because there's no symptoms. Right. That makes sense. Right. And then if one of those little outpouches, the diverticula, becomes inflamed and infected, say that a little um, something in the stool has gotten into the little outpouch, like herniation, then... The inflammation is the itis, so diverticulitis. Oh, okay. So you've always got, if you have diverticulosis, you've always got those little pouches, but it doesn't become the diverticulitis until those pouches are inflamed. That's right. Okay. Correct. Correct. Gotcha. Yes. And the number one cause, or not cause, the number one symptom of diverticulitis is pain. Very intense pain. Uh down, down under. In the lower left quadrant. And you can also have nausea, fever, because you have that infection happening. So your body's trying to fight that infection. So you get a fever. And sometimes you have to go to the hospital. And then you might have to be on like no food and just rest for like bowel rest for a couple of days. Okay. And fluids, sorry. And yeah. Antibiotics to like fight the infection kind of thing too? For treatment, yes. Okay. So what causes the, like what would you get first? The, the itis or the osis? Oh, that's a, oh, that's a good question. I know. Many people live with uh, diverticulosis without even knowing it or ever knowing it. And they discover it when they have the pain and it's discovered they have diverticulitis. Right. So that's the inflammation of the diverticula. And the causes 
causes yeah like what would what would cause someone to have symptoms i guess like an inflammation or can you get you said you can get the diverticulosis without ever having a, a flare-up correct yeah 30 percent of people that have diverticulosis end up getting a flare-up so what are some of the causes for diverticulosis then well the biggest cause is constipation and because of that pressure the excess pressure that you're pushing to have a bowel movement and so people that are chronically constipated are very at risk for developing diverticulosis and then more at risk for diverticulitis in the future if they have diverticulosis. That makes sense. I guess if you're putting pressure on that area, right? It's going to, yeah. Be Not sus- to mention hemorrhoids. Susceptible but to, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. And the thing is um, risk factors for developing diverticulosis are age, as I mentioned, is the biggest risk factor. So as your age goes up, so does the risk of getting these diverticular or the outpouchings in the in the intestine. Right. So over 40 generally, and as I mentioned, 50% of people over 50 have diverticulosis. Wow. And being male actually puts you at risk, a little bit higher risk for diverticulosis. Okay. Not eating enough vegetables and fruits is a big one. Just that not enough fiber. Which leads to constipation. Exactly. Right? Is yeah. That, yeah. In a high intake of fast food, ultra processed foods, being overweight, people who rely on painkillers um, like the NSAIDs, so the anti-inflammatory drugs. Okay. Like the ibuprofen and uh, all right, yeah. higher dose aspirin, naproxen, all those anti-inflammatory medications, if you're using those a lot, that can put you at risk for diverticulosis. And so can smoking. So having uh, being a smoker can actually increase your risk factor for diverticulosis. Okay, that's good to know. Not that I'm a smoker, but for those that are, there you go. Okay, so we t- we talked about what kind of causes diverticulosis. So assuming someone has diverticulosis, how can they prevent diverticulitis? That's a great question. Which once again, that's the inflammation, like that's the little pouches getting inflamed, right? Correct. Okay. Yes. So how do you prevent that if you have diverticulosis? Well, a big focus is what's happening in your bowels. Are you chronically constipated? When I talk to my clients, that's a conversation I have with every single client is what's going on? Like, are you having an easy to pass bowel movement daily? Are you, is it hard pebbles? Are you having diarrhea? You know, what is happening with the bowels? People that are on NSAIDs or pain killers can be more prone to constipation. So then they have hard to pass uh, stool. They have extra strain to pass their bowel, like have their bowel movement. And this can lead to diverticulitis. Okay. So it's, it's kind of, is that food related then? I mean, I guess it could be if, you, if there's things you can eat that are going to make it you less constipated, I suppose, like the fiber, right? Like exactly. Before, so. Yeah. Yeah. And I think some people, I think a lot of people don't really take constipation that seriously. They just, oh, it's part of life. It's, I've always it's had a constipation. Hassle. Yeah. But it's actually, it, there is some big reasons to get it under control and not be constipated, like address your constipation and try to 
have a regular easy to pass bowel movement daily because if you are straining and putting pressure, you think of that balloon that we talked about. And if you keep trying to put more air in, where's that air going to go? Yeah. To the weak spots. Exactly. And that is actually what happens is if you don't have enough fiber in the bowel and it's almost like weak. It's like a garden hose, isn't it? That like has a weak spot and then springs a leak. Yeah. Exactly. It's a great, yeah, analogy. Exactly. Yeah. And you want to, you want the fiber to fill up the bowel, like have uh, enough fiber to keep that bowel wall taut and not weak. If you don't have much fiber going through there, it's all kind of flaccid. Okay. Interesting. So getting fiber is a good thing. Is there anything that you should avoid to prevent flare-ups or to prevent the diverticulosis in the first place? Yeah, actually just addressing that constipation. So a lot of people think, oh, I should eat more grain products, whole grain products, because that gives me the fiber. But actually a lot of those highly processed packaged white bread, like white flour products, such as crackers and bread and actually protein bars, those can all contribute to having a problem with constipation. And it's actually, we want to increase the amount of vegetables in the diet. We want more of those plant foods, the vegetables and fruits to get that fiber, that type of fiber in the diet. Yeah, to... like the raw food versus versus the, the seeds on your bread because there's you're getting a lot more concentrated fiber from vegetables than you would through grain products. Is that what you're... I think what happens is people eat a lot of bread, they eat crackers, they eat a lot of the, you know, pretzels, highly processed foods made with white flour, and they don't, aren't hungry for fruit, aren't hungry for vegetables. And then, so they're, you know, we talk about plate ratio and we want half the plate to be vegetables and fruits or, you know, leafy greens and any kind of vegetable, root vegetables. We want plant foods that are vegetables or fruits as a big proportion of our meals. And I think that is where a lot of people lack because we know that people aren't eating enough vegetables and fruits in their diet. And then that contributes to lower fiber diet, which is another thing we know that people, like 95% of the population is not getting enough fiber. And we talked all about that in episode 17, all about fiber. So it's really important to kind of change that ratio. And maybe instead of having a protein bar at in your morning snack time, have like that's a highly processed food that is made with wheat. Right. A refined wheat and we refined grains. Maybe use fruit and trail mix and fruit and yogurt maybe as a snack instead. Right. And well, what about like like foods that are like whole grain and they're like high in fiber and and like a bowl of bran flakes? Is is vegetables gonna be better than that kind of fiber? No, that actually that's a good that's a good point. And definitely oats or bran flakes, that's a good way to start the day and good way to get some whole grains. But I think people look at boxes, ultra processed foods, and the box says whole grain, a source of whole grain. Right. And then so that's what they're buying and then that's what they're eating a lot of. And really we can buy the food or grow the food that doesn't have a label and that like those vegetables and fruits 
are going to give us the fiber and some of those protective elements that we need. Yeah. Plus the the box of whatever is going to have a whole bunch of other things in there that your body doesn't need or doesn't, you know. And you're displacing those whole foods. If you're eating a lot of those snack foods, you just won't eat enough of the whole foods. Yeah. Yeah. True. So it's interesting because I think in the past, many people think that they have to cut out nuts and seeds if they have diverticulosis. And that's actually not what is recommended. There was a study in JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Association, and they followed, for 18 years, they followed 47,000 men with no known diverticulitis, and they had nuts and seeds in their diet, and there was no increased risk for diverticulitis to happen. So they've actually shown that maybe it's protective, maybe those foods with seeds and nuts and skins are part of that fiber that helps to keep the bowel full and protects you from the diverticulitis, which is the inflammation of the diverticula. Crazy. It's good to have those studies, right? Because that's... uh... Gives you that evidence. Yeah, exactly. Although there is, I do notice like people that popcorn, for instance, is, you know, a snack that people like to have. And there have been incidents where that's actually what caused the diverticulitis. The popcorn or what you're putting on the popcorn? Probably the actual, like it's a little bit, you know how it's very indigestible, like parts of the corn. Right. And that little bit gets into that diverticula, that little outpouching. Oh, really? And then that bacteria, it just starts to grow and then it causes inflammation. The body goes into a state of an inflammatory state trying to fight off this infection. And then that causes diverticulitis. And the problem there is diverticulitis could lead to an abscess, meaning it could burst and then it's an emergency situation where you have to have surgery. So... When diverticulitis is treated with antibiotics and bowel rest, and that will help prevent the abscess. But let's go way back and try to prevent diverticulosis and an incidence of diverticulitis. Yeah, okay. That would make the most sense, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I didn't mention this before, but it's super important. Um, We talked about constipation. We talked about fiber. And part of that is fluid. Right. Anytime we're talking about fiber, we always mention fluid because it's, like Sandra likes to say, it's like cement in your gut. Or I I like to think of pancakes because a lot of people don't mix cement on a regular basis, but a lot of people are familiar with making pancakes. And if you don't have enough water in your pancake mix, it's going to be really sticky and hard and, and not liquid and smooth. And adding more water... Well, just, yeah, make things flow better and your, what is it, like your gut or whatever, what are we talking about? Fiber. If you have too much fiber, not enough water, then it's going to be like that thick, things can't flow. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't flow enough. And there, that's a key risk factor with constipation is inadequate fluid or not enough water. And it's basically a good rule of thumb, half your body weight in ounces per day. Uh, for, for drinking water, you mean? Yeah. So what what would that be for you? How many cups of, or how how many ounces of water? Well, let's say I'm, well, I'll just say I'm 200 pounds. I'm not quite, but that's easy math. So a hundred, half of that is a hundred. Mm-hmm. So that would be a hundred ounces. Right. Which is like just a bit over 12 cups. Yeah. 
Yeah. Perfect. That would be what you, your body needs in water uh, and fluid. And probably so, actually a bit more because you're going to need more if you're moving and, and being busy and that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. So that will help. That's part of helping the fiber to work and keeping your stool soft right. in the bowel. We need that fluid to help with, as you said, like, so the stool isn't like cement, so it helps to emulsify and it, it helps the body to work better if we have that flow, like enough fluid to help with the fiber. You think of oatmeal in a bowl and if you just let it sit after you've eaten the oatmeal, it just gets hard in the bowl and that's because all the water's gone. Right, right. It sucks up all the water and... So we need that mix of soluble fiber and insoluble fiber and fluid. And episode 17 is all about fiber. So we go in detail about what's the difference between soluble and insoluble. But the next important thing is chewing, chewing, chewing. Really take a moment to think about how quickly you eat and how well you chew your food. Because remember episode 15? I do. Yeah. The oral health chewing episode. Yeah. Chew your food well. And what happens when we chew our food? It's the first step of digestion because we're chewing and it mixes with saliva. Saliva, right. And then that helps to break down the food in our mouth. Right. Before we swallow it. Yeah. It's part of the part of the whole digestion process starts in your mouth. With yeah. The, with the chewing. Yeah. And that's a huge problem with people, I think, eating on the run, just eating fast, like wolfing down the food. And really, we should be chewing our food so that it's like the consistency of baby food before we swallow. Yeah. Your mouth is like the garburator. Right? <laughs> exactly. And if, if you're throwing big chunks down there, it's going to get stuck and things are bad things are going to happen. And yeah, yeah. you'll get heartburn and indigestion. It leads to all the gut problems, right? Yeah. Your, plum, your plumbing won't be happy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that is key to like just chewing well, drinking enough fluid and getting enough fiber. Those are really the messages, like the really important things to for prevention. Awesome. What about supplements? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, good question. So for supplements to help prevent diverticulitis and just to help keep things rolling down there would be um, making sure you're getting that omega-3 fatty acids. So fish oil, if you don't eat fish twice a week, just because it is an anti-inflammatory, it helps keep things um, happy. Like it's really important to get those omega-3s. So a, fi- a good quality fish oil. Uh, magnesium is actually, we talk about that for supplements. I think in Nutrition Nuggets 12, we talked all about magnesium. Is that right? Yeah, I remember. I don't know if it was 12, but it was one of the latest Nutrition Nuggets we've done on, yeah, it's called magnesium, so it should be easy to find. Yeah, it's 12. I checked. Okay. <laughs> it's, so the magnesium relaxes our muscle, and it is something to you could take before bed, definitely to help with like the magnesium glycinate. I think we talked about that one because it relaxes your, your bowel muscles. It relaxes all our muscles. So that helps just so that it can help with the process of digestion and having a bowel movement in the morning. Right. But if you are uh, constipated, you could actually have a little bit more magnesium throughout the day. So before bed and throughout the day, 
and that would be the glycinate before bed because it does relax you. And then the citrate, magnesium citrate. So you can get them mixed where there's some with glycinate and citrate in there. And the citrate pulls the fluid to the colon to help with keeping the stool soft to have that bowel movement that's softer. There you go. Don't you just love this conversation, Rob? Uh, it's, you know. <laughs> it's all the, the uh, you know, I feel like a poop investigator when I'm talking to my clients. It's such a dark job. <laughs> <laughs> that paints a funny picture, actually. I'm just joking. I'm not the poop police. I'm There's just asking. <laughs> Anyways, I think if people realize how important it is to address the constipation because you do not want to have those flare up with the diverticulitis. It is painful and it's awful. People like that's when people understand or they start to ask questions about diverticulitis versus losis because they've had an incident where they've had a flare up. And some people have, it's kind of like the kidney stones. They have, they have one flare up. And then if things don't change with their lifestyle and their diet and their fluids and how they eat their food, the chewing and all that, they'll have another flare-up and another flare-up. Right. So it's really important to address some of these issues. Yeah, it sounds uh, sounds kind of like a nasty thing you don't want to deal with. So, And just another thing for the supplements, um, not necessarily a supplement of probiotic, but just making sure that you're including some probiotic foods in your diet to help with the keeping the gut biome healthy and happy and in a good balance. Right. So remember probiotics would be like yogurt or kefir, sauerkraut. Right. All those uh, fermented fermented foods, right? Yeah, that have the active culture. And, and, that's a, and, then, and we've mentioned this on many other episodes about the prebiotics are that plant fiber helps the prebiotics, which is the food for the probiotics. Right. So that's all part of it too. And actually people can check back on episode 73 with Projecta, Right Nutrition Work, about the leaky gut and all about keeping the gut happy and healthy and in good balance. Perfect. So the key takeaway messages then is to gradually increase your fiber and adding one vegetable a day is a good way to start increasing your fiber. Yeah. Because most people aren't getting enough vegetables. So if you eat vegetables just at dinner, which is pretty common for a lot of people, Try to add another vegetable at lunch or some other time during the day, even breakfast with like an egg omelet or something that has some vegetables in there. Yeah. Easy way to do that. And we've recommended this before is just to have some cut up uh, vegetables in your fridge that are ready to eat that you can just throw on your plate with your lunch. You know, some cut up red peppers, any color peppers really doesn't matter. Uh, Carrots, cucumbers that are cut up. Celery. Le- leafy greens. Leafy greens, yeah. Are Have that really handful good. of spinach as you're making your sandwich or whatever. Or yeah, get them in the smoothie. Remember we did homemade smoothies a couple of nutrition nuggets ago? Yeah, yeah. We talked all about that. Um, so yeah, oh, so increasing your fiber by adding a vegetable a day. Uh, number two, aim to include a vegetable at lunch and at dinner and fruit at all your snack times. That's a good strategy, yeah. And number three would be change out some of those ultra-processed foods like the packaged refined wheat products, um, crackers, cereal, you know, those ones that are in the boxes, protein bars, to a whole food for a snack like the, as I mentioned, fruit and yogurt or trail mix and fruit, trail mix and yogurt, 
So something that's going to give you... Kind of more nutritional bang for the buck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, without a lot of those ultra-processed refined wheat products. Yeah, all the other junk that comes in there. Number four is chew your food well. Chew, 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 and take your time and slow down. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a really, really big one. It's an overlooked one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's an overlooked one, and it can really help in a number of ways. Like it can help you eat less food over the day because you're slowing down. It can help with your digestion and helping with heartburn to prevent heartburn, helping with problems with irritable bowel syndrome when you're chewing too fast and then you're swallowing without it being fully for your body to be able to digest it well. Right. All those things can uh, be a problem if you're not chewing your foods well and slowly. Yeah, good one to remember. And number five, really important, again, and we've talked about this on so many different episodes, is fluid. So try to get at least half of your body weight in ounces and get those cups in. Yeah, that's a big one. And it's... uh right across the board for everything. It's not just for preventing this issue that we're talking about today. It's just your health in general is uh, dependent on keeping hydrated. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that was an informative episode once again, and uh, I now know the difference. I know what all those big words mean. And hopefully you guys caught that as well and understand the difference between diverticulosis and diverticulitis. Remember to drink your water and eat your fiber and all those things we talked about because nobody wants to end up with diverticulitis. It's no fun. All right, we will have some more information coming on to our website on a regular basis, actually. We've got the blog on there, and that's updated quite frequently. So if you haven't been there, uh, be sure to check that out. There's tons and tons of good information. And the address is mywifethedietitian.com. And you can email us your questions if you have any, or comments, or ideas, or anything like that to our email, mywifetherd at gmail.com. I want to mention something, Rob. Oh, okay. Remember we said episode 73, Leaky Gut with Projecta? Mm-hmm. She's actually offering a program for our listeners and for her clients. And it's a it starts July 24th to 28th. And it's no supplements, but it's called Cleanse Me 5-Day Detox. And it's all about using whole foods to stimulate your body's natural detox system. And so we'll put the information in the show notes through rightnutritionworks.com. And yeah, it's a it's an interesting way to do a detox because a lot of people like programs that are detox or cleanses, but a lot of times it's something that you buy that's a supplement or a, a liquid and this is more of a plan for healthy eating and to include whole foods too. A bit more natural. Yeah. It's, based, yeah. yeah. Stimulate your body's natural detox systems with the kidney and the liver and the lungs and the skin, all those foods that support those organs. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So make sure to check that out. And don't forget to check out our social media pages. We've got things coming up there all the time. We're on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget to rate and review the show. That always helps us. Uh, any comments you want to make or just even just rating is, is super helpful. And just want to thank our new listeners too. I know there's a bunch of new people that have joined uh, 
joined the podcast. So we appreciate you coming along and hope you stick around and uh, are learning new things from us. So just appreciate everyone that's here. And we're really excited about next Monday's episode. We talk to a chef who balances the tastes of his patrons and the budget and the making sure that the cooks are excited to work and create their own dishes. And yeah, it'll be a good one to listen into a little bit of a different type of episode. Yeah, kind of an interesting perspective from, you know, behind the scenes in a restaurant and uh, what that's all about. So that'll be that'll be fun to talk to Brent. That's next Monday. That's right. Awesome. All right. So thanks for coming out today. And we will be back Wednesday with Nutrition Nuggets. So uh, yeah, please join us then. Thanks, Rob. All right. So I did a little homework and I thought I'd share my results with you on all this terminology we've been using. The word osis and the word itis are from Latin. And osis, anything with the word osis means it's like a condition. And anything with itis means it's inflammation. So with diverticulosis, that's a condition. Diverticulitis is like the inflammation that happens with that condition. So maybe that will help. And I also promised you a rhyme. So here we go. If you get a diagnosis of diverticulosis, you'll have to keep an eye out for the itis. When you feel that nasty feeling and your alarm bells are ringing, then you know you've got diverticulitis. Thanks for joining us today on My Wife the Dietitian. If you like what you heard, don't be shy. Leave us a comment or review and be sure to share our podcast with your friends. If you'd like to hear more, hit that subscribe button. You can also follow us on our social media pages for updates, episode trailers, and other odds and ends. For more info and links on what we discussed on today's episode, check the show notes. We'll be back next week with another informative and fun-filled episode. Thank you.